Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener and special guest, Michael. Hello. Michael is a generous supporter of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, and as a thank you, we invited him to join us for a discussion of an episode of his choosing. Michael, what are we listening to today? Dark Side of the Mind from Nightfall. Nightfall was a supernatural horror anthology produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Company between July 1980 and June 1983. Although inspired by the golden age of radio, Nightfall took a more modern approach to horror, pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable on Canadian radio at the time. The intense situations, graphic sound effects, and occasional use of strong language led some CBC affiliates to drop the series entirely. Dark Side of the Mind was written by Canadian radio personality Max Ferguson. His 52-year career on CBC Radio began in 1946 when he was assigned host duties on a country music show called After Breakfast Breakdown. Not a fan of country music, Ferguson made the last-minute decision to host the show as a fictitious cowboy named Rawhide who ridiculed each song before and after playing it. To Ferguson's surprise, the show became a hit, airing in one form or the other for the next 17 years. According to the fan site The Nightfall Project, CBC head of radio drama Susan Rubes coaxed Ferguson out of retirement to write for Nightfall. Known for his gentle wits, Ferguson seemed an unlikely recruit for a cutting-edge horror program, but the CBC was pleased enough with Ferguson's initial effort, Where Do We Go From Here?, discussed in episode 173 of this podcast, to commission two more scripts, Breaking Point and the play you're about to hear, Dark Side of the Mind, first aired January 23rd, 1981. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sound coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Tonight's story by Max Ferguson is called Dark Side of the Mind. In the dream, you are falling, lost in the listening distance as dark locks in. <laughs> Nightfall. Good evening. Do you know where your children are? I certainly hope they haven't met the central character in tonight's story. The play from the late night pen of Max Ferguson is called Dark Side of the Mind.
folks. All right. I'm Detective McConnell. My men are going to comb every inch of this area, and you really aren't going to be any help to us standing around in the way. So would all of you please get the hell out of here? I suppose that's no way for a public servant to talk to his employer, Sergeant. But I'm in no bloody mood for niceties. Yeah, I know how you feel. Three murders in ten days. And nothing to go on. Not a shred. There's a whole lot of parents in this city terrified. They're not going to put up with much more of this. Oh, God. That must be the mother. Sergeant, this is going to be rough on her. Don't let her see the bruises that maniac left on the neck. Just uncover the face. That's all we'll need for an ID. Right, sir. Ma'am? Ma'am? Could you come this way, please? My name is McConnell. I'm sorry to have to ask you to do this. Would you just let us know one way or the other? Take me to her. Where is she? Sergeant? Yes, sir. Right over here, ma'am. Something I could say to help. I'll have someone drive you home. All right, Sergeant. Okay, men, let's go. Five feet apart. To the far side of the ravine, then backtrack. We're going to keep at it till we find something. Refusing to divulge any details, he told reporters that the three slayings which have shaken this community in the past ten days appear to have been committed by the same person. Meanwhile, funeral services for the tiny... That just makes me sick. Yeah, please. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I'm just upset and I'm we angry. all are, dear, but I don't think that I can't that think of that the... child without being disgusted by the whole human race. I'm afraid I gave up on the human race a long time ago, Jeff. Look, there's one very sick mind out there somewhere. Nobody's denying that. But let's not dump on the whole You're right, honey. And besides, I thought this little dinner was supposed to be a happy reunion. After all, we haven't seen Carl in, what, 15 years? 15 years, Carl. Can you believe it? (laughs) That's a lot of water under the bridge, Jeff. Picture this, Verna. Yesterday afternoon, right? Busy Mm -hmm. Saturday, corner of Portage and Main, wall-to-wall people, and I spot this guy. Well, I should (laughs) hope you wouldn't forget that handsome star quarterback. (laughs) University. Oh, that's a long time ago, Myrna. Now, Carl, why don't you stay over, huh? One more day. Oh, yes, Carl, that's a great idea. No, no. Um, Thanks all the same, but I've got to fly out tonight. Got a board meeting in Vancouver at 9 tomorrow morning. Matter of fact, the limousine will be here in about an hour. (laughs) I'd love to stay, really, I would. It's just that... uh... Oh, well, let's hope it won't be another 15 years before we see you again. Oh, we're sure to bump into each other on some street corner. Bring your wife next time. I'd love to meet her. I doubt it. What? 
You mean you, you, you doubt you'll be able to bring her or that we'd love to meet her? Either way, Myrna. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Carl was telling me when you were out in the kitchen, Myrna, that uh, his wife is a dead ringer for you. Oh, for heaven's sake. Jeff, I didn't expect you to tell Myrna. <laughs> Come on, girl. Not classified, is it? No, it's just that, uh... I don't think it's particularly flattering for a woman to find that she's a carbon copy of another woman. Carl, really? That doesn't bother me at all. Well, then, maybe it should. Who's for more coffee? Carl? Please. Jeff? No, I'm fine, dear. That's fine, Emily. Emily? Myrna. I'm sorry. Myrna. Carl, my strong resemblance to your wife, does it bother you somehow? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a hectic couple of weeks in Winnipeg, trying to track people down, close deals, partying too late. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just a bit exhausted and cranky. Well, look, we, we've got an hour before you have to leave for the airport, so why don't we just take our coffee into the living room where it's more comfortable and put your feet up. Mm, I might be able to scrape up some brandy. Maybe a little Grand Marnier, Carl? Hmm? Brandy for me, Jeff. Mm, okay, how about you, dear? I'll pass. Jeff was telling me you two lived in England for a couple of years. Is that right? About seven or eight years ago. Jeff had been practicing here in Winnipeg after he got out of dental school, and then he decided to specialize, so off we went. Oh, we both loved London. Oh, the cost of living. And when his courses ended, we flew right back to good old Winnipeg. <laughs> good old Winnipeg. Oh, Carl, I know what you're thinking, but these dreadful murders could have happened anywhere. I mean, we don't have a monopoly on psychopaths. Maybe not, love, but I'll bet you Carl's relieved his kids are in Vancouver right now. I would be if I was a parent. Well, does it really make any difference? Wherever life has lived, you can't avoid its rottenness. Oh, Carl, come on now. No, I mean it, Myrna. Now, you notice it more when you get older. The optimism of youth starts to erode. Well, for better or worse, Carl, we can't turn the old clock back. Cheers. Cheers. Unless those boys in the lab come up with the secret of eternal youth. That's huh? it. Make time stand still. Right. Childhood could go on forever. Oh. The innocence and sweetness of childhood. Never having to end in heartbreak. Well, like I say, girl, you got to be patient. It might take another year or two. Uh, it doesn't have to. To achieve perpetual childhood. Well, I don't know about you two, but I find all this philosophy a bit ponderous, especially after a heavy meal. Carl, you haven't told us anything about your kids. How many have you? Pardon? Your children. How many have you? Oh, um, three. Three girls. Oh, how wonderful. Any pictures? Um, yes, yes, I think I have some here. Somewhere. <laughs> Notice the modesty, dear. Yeah. Now, proud fathers are never quite sure whether they have pictures of their kids on them. <laughs> here they are. Oh, Carl, oh. they're adorable. Oh, look, Jeff. Oh, yeah, she's really oh, a sweetheart. They really oh, are something. I'd just love to have a print sometime, Carl, if you could send us one. Why don't you just hold on to these? Oh, oh Carl, no, no. We wouldn't dream of no, taking... No, 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 I insist. I can, uh... I can get more. Besides, I'd kind of like to... Well, 
share them. Well, I'm not above tucking them into my pocket and oh, passing them off as my own kids. <laughs> hey, can you just imagine the male hearts they're going to break in a few years' time? Mm-hmm. Mind you, Carl, I don't think they look much like their old man. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> Nothing, Carl. <laughs> Come on. You know the old put-down. <laughs> ah, excuse me a second. I better get that. Oh, Jeff, not tonight of all nights. Ah, for life before the invention. Hello. Dr. Robbins? Yes? Doctor, it's Mrs. Walters. I- I'm really sorry to have to call you at home, but my five-year-old has had a raging toothache. Uh, she's been crying all afternoon. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but, uh... Well, actually, I do have company, Mrs. Walters. Uh, have you tried oil of cloves? Yes, and, and I've rubbed alcohol around the tooth, but neither seems to work. Could you possibly do, do anything for her? All right, Mrs. Walters, uh, bring her to my office. I'll head over now. I should be there in about 15 minutes. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Robbins. I, I feel so badly about... That's all right, you. Mrs. Walters. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Oh, the joys of dentistry. I've got to go, I'm afraid. Oh, Jeff, is it really that urgent? I'm afraid so, honey. Carl, look, I should be back in about an hour. There's any chance you'll still be Sorry, here? Sorry, Jeff. I'll have to leave in about 30 minutes myself. Well, old man, it's been great seeing you again. I huh? enjoyed it, Jeff. Thanks for everything. And we won't let another 15 years go by, all you right? You bet, you <laughs> bet. See you, Jeff. I'll be back as soon as I can make it, dear. Jeffrey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, sorry, dear. <laughs> Love you. Hurry back, sweetheart. Kisses and sweet talk. Much simpler just to say goodbye. Okay, Jenny, I think that'll do the trick. Here, rinse your mouth. Didn't even hurt. <laughs> now, you remember what I told you, Janie. You brush up and down, not back and forth. And if you do that twice a day, I won't have to see you again for at least... Uh-oh. Down you get. Now, who knows I'm here at this hour of night. All right, where you go, Janie. Uh, I'll brush him every day. You tell your mom I can't chat right now. I've got to get this phone. Hello? Jeff? Yes, who's this? Brace yourself. It's Kitty Anderson. Kitty! This is tremendous. Where the heck are you? I just flew in 20 minutes ago. I'm still at the airport. Pride some mad money out of John. I've got three wild days in the big city. Oh, boy. Wait till Verna hears this. Have you called her yet? The second I got off the plane. But there's no answer, so I had to track you down through the yellow pages. Now, what are you doing at the office this time of night? (laughs) A little emergency. I'm just getting ready to leave. Well, serves you right for being a big, soft-hearted... Kitty, um... (laughs) Did you say there was no answer at the house? Yeah, tried twice. The phone just rang. Well, I can't understand that unless Myrna's in the bathroom. She's certainly home. I left there less than an hour ago. She was having coffee with... Hey, 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 hey. It's your turn to brace yourself. Well, I'm braced. Okay, now go back about 15 years. Uh-huh. We're all at the University of Toronto together. Uh-huh. Now, who's the big, handsome, number one heartthrob on campus? Oh, come on, Jeff. There were dozens of those. Yeah, yeah but this one used to take you out, if I remember correctly. Now, sounds conceited, Jeff, but that's still not much of a clue. All-round superjock. Oh, come on, Jeff. I'm dying to know. Star quarterback of the varsity blues... Ta-da! Jeff, are you joking? Not a bit. 
Carl Langford is alive and well and having coffee in my living room. <laughs> hey, Kitty, you still there? I'm still here, Jeff. A little stunned, mind you. Ghosts out of the past always do this. Oh, they... I know what you mean. Yesterday I was standing at Portage and Maine. Jeff, sorry to interrupt, but... But well, this is a payphone, and people are getting impatient. Well, will you do me a favor? Sure thing. Well, I, I hate to ask this, Jeff, but I can, I can see about a hundred people all heading out to the limousine pickup. Oh, Kitty, I'm embarrassed. Why didn't I think of it? Forget the limousine. Of course, I'll drive you in. And Jeff. Yeah. Would it be out of your way to bring Myrna out with you? Kitty, if you drew a straight line from my office here out to the airport, it would practically pass through my living room. Of course, I'll bring oh, her. Oh, that's great. Can't wait to see her. And you. Well, it'll work out nicely. You two can get all the women talk out of the way in the back seat coming in from the airport, and then when we get home, the three of us can have a damn good visit, huh? <laughs> Don't tell her I'm in town, Jeff. Well, let's surprise her at the airport. Oh, she'll be pumping me all the way. <laughs> you know what Myrna's can like. Can you leave now, Jeff? Well, sure. You head over to the Air Canada Information Desk, and you give me five minutes to tidy up here. Now, and Jeff, I'll... please, could you leave right away? Well, yeah, I guess I can. Have I got time to put my coat on? I'm sorry, Jeff. It's just that, well, well, this place is so darn stuffy and crowded. Now, well, I just appreciate it. Kitty, I'm going out the door now. Oh, thanks, Jeff. You're a lifesaver. Lifesaver? Anybody home? Hmm. That's odd. Carl's coat's gone. Well, but Myrna wouldn't have gone with him. Are you in, Myrna? I'm upstairs, darling. Oh, did Carl get away all right? Carl left for the airport. I've got to find some place open to pick up some cigarettes. Uh, you in the mood for a drive? Hmm? Myrna? I've just washed my hair. Honey? Oh, damn. Ah, oh, what the heck. She'll be just as surprised when she sees Kitty coming through the front door. <laughs> okay, dear, I won't be long. Excuse me, I was supposed to meet a young lady at the desk here. Would you know if there's a message for Dr. Robbins, Dr. G.H.? Jeff, Jeff, over here. Kitty! Hey, how are you? Gee, you're certainly looking... Jeff, where's Myrna? Well, now, Kitty, that's a long story. I just figured I might never get another chance to step out on the town with a gorgeous... Jeff, I'm serious. Will you please tell me where Myrna Kitty, is? Kitty, just relax, Sorry. huh? <laughs> I drove straight home after I talked to you, and I tried to trick Myrna into coming under the pretext of getting cigarettes, mm -hmm. only to find out she just washed her hair. Oh. <laughs> so do I blow the whole surprise, or do I sneak out here and bring you back myself? Hmm? Well, hell, I thought I'd made the right choice. Sorry, Jeff. Oh, sure you made the right choice. Uh, is Carl still at your place? No, I'm afraid not. In fact, he's probably out here right now. Might even bump into him. Jeff, will you take my bag? I want to get the hell out of here. Now, hold it, Kitty. 
Now, I've been getting some really strange vibes. Is something bugging you? Jeff, I've been uptight all evening, ever since I talked to you on the phone. Hey, hey that's flattering. I can't explain it here. Come on. Let's get into your car and back to your place. Well, am I ever going to learn what this deep dark... In this car, Jeff, in the car. And I sure hope you've got some cigarettes. We're both going to need them. your cigarette now what's all this about it's about car oh my god jeff how can you possibly not have heard seven years ago it was on the front page of just about every newspaper in canada myrna and i were out of the country seven years ago living in england now what the hell are you talking about kitty seven years ago carl langford was committed for an indefinite period to the mental institution at penetanguishine Pennet? well that place is for the criminally insane that's right jeff Carl murdered Emily, his wife. Kitty, is this some kind of a sick joke? I only wish it were, Jeff. All of us who knew Carl were stunned. Trial was ghastly. Went on for more than a month. Now, wait a minute. I'm still trying to grasp all this. It's unreal. I know, Jeff. You remember the Carl we all knew at university. Yeah. Something terrible must have happened to him. It may have begun when they lost their little girl. Ah, I I didn't know about that either. That was about a year earlier. His wife had been out for the afternoon with some of her girlfriends for a couple of cocktails. Well, she might have had one too many, I don't know. But anyway, she left the bar, picked up the little girl at school to drive her home and... An accident? Drove into a bus. Not a scratch on Emily, but the little girl was thrown out. Struck her head against the curb. Oh, my God. She was dead when they got her to hospital. Carl must have taken that pretty hard. He really went to pieces. That's... This all came out of the trial. Carl started drinking heavily. Turned completely against his wife. It must have been pretty awful for... For Emily. Terrible. Not many mothers could bear being accused of murdering their child. Carl did that? He never let up. Drunk or sober. He even called her a murderer in front of their friends. It's hard to believe. Well, I guess things got more and more desperate for about a year. Drinking getting heavier, the fights getting worse. Carl's mind disintegrating. Finally, one night he took a carving knife and slashed her throat. Oh. Oh, mother of God. I'm sorry, Jeff. Did Carl turn himself in? No. They didn't... They didn't find her body until almost a month later. What? Nobody even knew she was dead. Her mother would phone. Carl would explain that his wife was in the shower under the hairdryer getting dressed. Emily's mother came round to the house several times only to have an apologetic Carl tell her his wife was out shopping, visiting a friend. Incredible. Oh, it gets sicker than that, Jeff. What do you mean? Well, after about a month of this strange runaround, Emily's mother became suspicious and the police were called in. What did they find? They talked to her. To Carl's wife? Yes. Carl met them at the door. The police explained that they wanted to speak with his wife. Carl was very polite and cooperative. He went upstairs to get her. The next thing the police knew, Emily was calling down from upstairs that the whole thing was outrageous. 
she was in her bath, but if they wanted to come up and take a peek, they were quite welcome, provided they didn't mind being sued for invasion of privacy. But Kitty, you just said all this happened after she'd been murdered. I, I don't understand. Well, you're no more confused than the police were, Jeff. They were both backing out the front door in total embarrassment when one of them decided to take Emily up on her invitation. He got to the top of the stairs and... And there was Carl in one of the bedrooms operating a tape recorder. He'd pre-taped her voice. Must have forced her to do it just before he killed her. I can't believe it. There were enough sentences in the tape to cover dozens of situations. What a crazy, demented... The sad thing is that when they lost their little girl, they didn't try to have more children. It was a tragedy, but perhaps if they'd gone ahead and had another... Kitty, she wasn't their only child. What? Carl has three children, three little girls. Yes, I know for a fact there was only one. But Carl sat right in my living room early this evening talking about his three... Hey, wait a minute. Jeff, what is it? For God's sake, they're here, right in my jacket pocket. Carl wanted me to have them. Have what? Three snaps, one of each daughter. And here, take a look. Uh, There's a flashlight in the glove compartment. Here. Jeff, believe me, Carl had one little girl, Anne, who died. A year later, he was committed to pentatanguishing indefinitely. So he must have been let out only recently. If he was let out... Oh, my God, Kitty, you're not suggesting... Jeff, Carl is a murderer. They just couldn't have released him that soon. You wouldn't expect so. And why did he lie about those photographs? Could it possibly be... Oh, no. What, Jeff? Kitty, on the front page of the free press today, there's a shot of a little girl. They found her body in a field just outside the city. The third child in ten days. Oh, dear God. Carl was lying about those snaps. That little girl in the paper. Oh, Kitty, I feel sick. Jeff. Uh, Are you suggesting that... I'm not suggesting anything, Kitty. I just know that I've got to get home fast. Kitty, I I don't want Myrna to know anything about this just yet. I understand. We could be totally wrong, and there's no point scaring the hell out of her with a false alarm. Uh, The light's still on in the bedroom upstairs. I don't think she's come down yet. Well, why don't we ease in quietly and get that paper? Right. Myrna. Myrna? Oh, thank God, she's still upstairs. Come on, the paper's over here on the table. Now then, I'll just take Carl's snapshot and put it beside... Oh, Oh, God. Jeff, it is. It's the same little girl in both pictures. Yeah. Oh, God. Jeff, does does this mean that Carl... Killed the other two. Yeah, I'm afraid it looks that way. Oh, no. Um, 
I'll call the police. You sit down, Kitty. Try to relax. I'll phone the cops. Uh, Then we'll call Myrna down. Uh, Do you want to pour three stiff ones? Sure. Let her enjoy the surprise and and, and then just try to break it to her as gently as we can. Here goes. Poor parents. Such sweet kids. He took their pictures before he did it. Division, Sergeant Wayne. Uh, yes, this is uh, Dr. Robbins speaking. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Robbins? Yes, sir. I, um, I want to report some information. I think it could lead to the arrest of the, uh, of the man who... Uh, who um, Go ahead, sir. Uh, who murdered the, the three little girls. Just a moment, Dr. Robbins. Ron, can you pick this up on line three? Go ahead, Doctor. Well, it's hard to know where to start. The man in question, sir, to have his name. Yes, yes. Uh, his name is... I'm upstairs, darling. Jeff. Myrna's heard us. Carl left for the airport. Oh, dear God, no. Jeff, what's wrong? Sir, to have the man's name. I'm upstairs, darling. Oh, my God. No. No, the tape recorder. Carl left for the airport. Hello. Hello, what's going on? (laughs) Dear God. He's still up there. Carl's still up there. I'm upstairs, darling. Carl left for the airport. just heard Dark Side of the Mind by Max Ferguson. Tonight's cast featured Wayne Robson as Jeff, Patricia Collins as Myrna, Denise Ferguson as Kitty, and Peter Dvorsky as Carl, with Ann Butler, Maya Anderson, Larry Reynolds, and Alan Rosenthal. Audio engineering was by Brian Wood, assisted by David Hoyle. Matt Wilcott handled sound effects with the production assistance of Nancy McElveen. Our story editor is Earl Toppings. Dark Side of the Mind was produced and directed by John Douglas, and the coordinating producer of Nightfall is Bill Howell. And now, here's a final word from your host. (laughs) Hello again. Next week, we have a special animal for you, and we can't promise how he'll behave. The way he watches us. Look! Yeah. Like he's thinking. Like he's thinking? Thinking of what? Well, he is very intelligent. Now, Molly, that's ridiculous. Then, why is he so watchful? Why doesn't he sleep? What do you mean? He slept at the foot of the bed all night. No, he didn't. How do you know? Because about every half hour, I turned the flashlight on him. Well? Every time... His eyes were wide open. Well, he's a watchdog. Fred, he was thinking. I can see it. Look, I can see him thinking now. The Name of the Dog by George Salveson. Directed by John Douglas. 
Radio for animal lovers. That's next week on Nightfall. Until then, careful of the edge. Dark Side of the Mind, from Nightfall, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And our special guest is our Patreon and special guest, Michael. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, uh, from all of us, on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for being a Patreon of this podcast. We appreciate it. We bring on a Patreons at a certain level. I don't know how it works, but uh, you can find out by asking Tim and Joshua if you want to be on the show sometime. But before we dive too far into our analysis of Dark Side of the Mind from Nightfall, Michael, this is your choice. Tell us why you chose it. It's one of those that stands out in memory, you know, nostalgia. And uh, I grew up listening to old-time radio. My dad, we would go on road trips, and he'd always bring cassette tapes of old-time radio shows, lights out, comedies, stuff like that. And then around 1988, I was probably eight years old, a friend of mine gave me a couple of cassette tapes. It was Nightfall and uh, Vanishing Point, yeah, a collection of like Canadian stuff. And so everything I had heard up to that was kind of, you know, 40s and 50s kind of stuff. And then the first episode on the cassette he gave me was this one. And so I grew up, I guess I was a weird kid, every night going to bed listening to some sort of audiobook, whether it was a kid's thing, whether it was an old-time radio show. Put this on, laid in bed, press play. And kicked in with the weird music that Nightfall always has that was terrifying (laughs) to me as an eight-year-old trying to fall asleep. And then kicking into a child's been murdered. Let's get the mother out here to identify it. And it just always stuck in my head as like the scariest thing I'll ever hear. Years later, it's not as terrifying, but there's always that connection that brings me back to it. And as we'll discuss, I think there's things in it that really stand out still. Can't wait to hear what you guys think about it, but it's always one of those one or two or three episodes of old time radio that if people say I've never heard, you know, suggest something to me, this is one of them. Even though it's kind of more modern, yeah, being in the 80s, it's still one of the scarier in my mind. When we say modern, there's right. a meme going around right now. I don't know what a meme is, I've been told, <laughs> but uh, apparently there's a meme going around saying the 1970s is not 30 years ago. Exactly. And... <laughs> It struck me because I went, yes, it is. No. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no. So this is 1981. I mean, we're still talking over 40 years yes, ago. 42 yeah. years. Yeah. Jeez. I'll start it off with uh, I, I think that it is a scary story. I think it's well done and well produced and everything. Here's the pitfall for me for this. And pitfall. pitfall. It's a spin off of <laughs> Nightfall. Pitfall is this. There is no twist. We know right. what's coming. So if you're just going to say, 
we all know what's about to happen. We all know where it's going and it doesn't have some kind of twist at the end that catches us. Then the path, the journey to that ending has to be incredibly enjoyable. Like in the sense of I was enthralled, I was connected to the characters. And what I'm getting at is in horror and suspense and things of that nature, that's a more difficult route to go. It's a difficult route to write to say, y'all know it's coming, but are you going to stay with me anyway? Right? That's a hard thing to do. It's risky. I will say with that risk of writing, I think they did a good job of it. Notice any of these were great or fantastic. That was mainly because of his limited vocabulary. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Pitfall. (laughs) Uh, It's this. It's when there wasn't any kind of weird twist ending to Mm -hmm. it on its merits. I said, well, that's a story of a a guy in the house that, you know, is going to kill everybody. Right. So it becomes more of a a thrasher horror movie. It is more of a horror movie. And to me, Mm -hmm. it's interesting how it dupes us at the beginning to think it's maybe going to be a crime procedural. Right. With Mm -hmm. that scene with the cops and there's a child murderer on the loose. And then it takes you to a childless couple and their friend. And you're not really sure. It's really disorienting in a good way. Like, I'm like, ooh, what's going on here? And then the first time uh, their friend Carl speaks, you're like, okay, he's the killer. Yep. <laughs> but right. Exactly. Yep. My thing is, I think some of that is intentional. And I think the suspense is meant, like you said, horror to be, you're, you're going, like, pick up on this, guys. Yeah. That's the thing about this show that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, that I felt like it was even ahead of its time for 1983 in the narrative of how much. Myrna is onto him, which is only a little, but mm-hmm. certainly more than her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was just fascinated beat by beat of how she's trying to control the conversation. Anytime he gets upset, divert it away. Mm-hmm. Drinks come out. She's like, "I don't want to drink. You guys have your oh, drinks." Yeah. That it's to my ear, and I think just I'm not projecting on it. It's a very subtle game that Myrna's like trying to get ahead of this, and ultimately she loses. But uh, she doesn't suspect it enough. But the theme continues with, like, Kitty knows right off the bat because mm-hmm. she's right. in the papers. But it becomes a broader story of, like, so much went wrong because we're not not allowed to discuss in public this guy is a threat. I feel like there's almost a little bit of dark comedy in here. The level, intentional dark comedy, the level of obliviousness of Jeff. I yeah. was just going to bring like, that Laugh up. out loud, funny. And he, his inability to pick up on social cues, not just that he's totally. hosting a child murderer, but like he doesn't know when he makes too tacky of a joke. Like his wife is sort of signaling like, oh, you went a little too far on that joke. I can't remember yeah. what it was. It was a bit of a risque on the nose joke that he makes to Carl. About about his kids not looking like him. Oh, yes. yes. Right, yeah. And she's like, "Uh, no, no, Jeff. I think that it was absolutely, I was going to just bring up Jeff, for this to work, the level of joy that Jeff seems to have about life and how everything seems to say, yeah, he seems very trusting, right? And that's what Mm -hmm. we're led to believe with the writing and and the performance. He's a very trusting person. Which allows us to go, well, this type of person just doesn't see the writing on the wall, and we believe that. Um, For some reason, every time I hear this, I think of his voice reminds me of Alan Ladd in, like, Mr. Ed or something. And I just have this (laughs) picture of, like, this 1960s sitcom 
character yep. in the middle of like a slasher movie who's like oblivious to everything around him where everybody else is picking up on stuff. That's a great metaphor. He is like a 1960s TV show dad. And I think both in performance and script, it's very clear that that's the effect the writer mm-hmm. and producers wanted to achieve. It's like Nightfall dressing up as Inner Sanctum for Halloween. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Trick-or-treating on the corner of terrifying and silly. You know, like it, it meets that <laughs> sort of like middle spot where I think it's definitely supposed to like lull you into a false sense of security with some silliness and then hit you hard with the horror. Mm-hmm. Jumping to the end of this, I believe that they knew writing this that they wanted the laughing and the scream crying at the same time. Like – they, they were like, we can't wait to get to the end of this and do that. Well, it's not just that. It's the whole chorus. Yeah. It's, it's Jeff yep. and Kitty's realization yep. as he's sobbing. And then you have the police on the phone. Yep. It's this carefully orchestrated cacophony. And it's yep. just nightmares. You just want to turn it off. Yep. That's the yep. crowning achievement of this episode. And, and any exactly. little niggles I have with it, I get to there and I'm like, I forgive it. Slam dunk. That's the best part. It's the end of it is, you know, is and I kind of wish there was more there. You know, there's this thing about it that feels like Hitchcock's psycho, but not quite as good because it's like almost like a William Castle who would take from Hitchcock. And make it sle- <laughs> sle- it's a sleazier version, not as well done, but like the ending almost feels like the beginning of like Halloween or something. You're getting this little snippet of something that went terrible. And now I want to hear his story, you know, the rest of what he does next and where is he going from here, you know, and I do want to know what happened. That, that yeah. I think that that bothers me a little bit. I, I get the ending and I and get the fact the, that he's still up there and he's laughing yeah. and it's I, I want to know if she's dead. Yeah, I think she's dead. I think he murders Jeff and Kitty and um he's gone just as the police arrive and there's a whole sort of road movie we can <laughs> that happens next. Wow. You thought this out. He wipes out all of Canada. <laughs> was there, is, there was a part of me that really wanted the twist of it was so laid out for us that this guy was the guy that somehow, some way, it wasn't him. And I right. didn't, I don't know what that is. I didn't rewrite I, it I in was my head. going like, maybe it's the wife. Yep. Maybe it's the Jeff. Maybe. Yeah. So there was a disappointment for me that that didn't happen. That's why I said at the beginning I had to go back and analyze this for what it was instead of what I hoped it would be. For me, any prediction of a twist went away when he has his first conversation with Kitty. Yep. As soon as he says, hey, guess who's at my house? And there's just this silence on the other end. I go, okay, Mm -hmm. Kitty is telling the listener, you were right. That is the killer. And Jeff is oblivious to it, and now it becomes a race against time. This bothers me. Who's at your house? Okay, listen to me. You've got to get your wife out of there. He killed his wife. <laughs> like That moment of just explain to him on the phone what in the F is going on right. instead of, oh, well, get her out and then come pick me up and we'll surprise her. Like, that seems ridiculous to me. That's part of the social stigma that I was I was getting into of – she mentioned specifically, there's a lot of people here looking at me. And for whatever reason, she feels she can't say in a public forum, ah. that guy I went to high school with is a killer. I interpreted that line of just like, I don't want to talk to you anymore because it's going to slow you down. That's I want you to well. get her as soon as possible. Um, then they I, say, but get also, her out of there. There's also that but idea I, uh, that it's so ridiculous that you might be embarrassed 
to just say, your wife is about to be murdered. But there's maybe. a little and bit she, on him as well of like, yes, I called your house twice. Why don't you try calling your house? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And when you hear the wife's voice the first time, it's definitely weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Jeff. Seems... I'm upstairs, you know? And it's like, camp, she's washed her hair, so she can't come to the airport, you know? It's a really weird thing. But well, maybe you know, that was... You know, the security was... measures, you know? You can't have wet hair at the airport anymore. No, not <laughs> just the wet hair bomber. Yeah, the wet hair bomber, that oh. guy. Ruined and she really wanted Jeff us. to get to the... She really wanted Jeff to get to the airport because she needed a cigarette. You know, right. That's yeah, right. very, right. very important. Again, though, that's where I do think there's a little bit of tongue in the cheek in mm-hmm. certain parts of this. I love the idea that an exciting day might be to go with your husband to get cigarettes. <laughs> like, that was a sell. Want to go get cigarettes with me? Oh, my God. Yes. Enjoy. Canada is a wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Winnipeg. (laughs) Uh, There is a line in here that I do want to propose for our shop of unmade morals t-shirts. Excellent. And it should just say this. I'm afraid I gave up on the human race a long time ago, (laughs) Jeff. <laughs> but the design should be that most of the shirt is just Jeff, and right. the rest of it is really tiny letters. So you have to get up really close to get the like nihilistic content of the T-shirt and read it. And everybody that you want to cross named Jeff is like, "What the hell? It's <laughs> your T-shirt? It's a podcast thing." You know, honestly, I think where it falters the most for me, uh, because again, I, I love those tonal shifts, some of the silliness mixed in with the really dark horror elements is that it's just structured a little awkward in the very last beats because by the time we realize that Myrna is at home with Carl, the child murderer, they stop and take this time to piece together whether or not he is the actual child murderer or not. They know (laughs) he's there and he's crazy and he was arrested for it. We don't need to definitively know that he... Let's get a paper and... Yeah, and so that gives you as the listener too much time to think about what's going to happen at the house, so it, it loses a little surprise. If they had figured out the connection with the photos of the children he gave them, which is creepy, we'll talk about that in a second, first, and then piece together the stuff about the tape recording. But they tell you the tape recording first. Yeah, and just structurally, I just think that's a little... I just flipped that. But also, it's very strange to me that a childless couple who haven't seen a guy in 15 years asks for copies of exactly. his children's pictures. That, that's that him too. He gave it No, to he me. said, I would love to have a oh, picture of your children. Like, oh, right, right, and maybe right. that's an old-fashioned thing. It but is. I remember my mom would have pictures of But they're of essentially strangers. Of people that I – like, that's my fifth cousin twice removes kid. And I'm like, but this Who? is Canada, though, too. Uh, <laughs> it's a friendlier country. Right, it is. <laughs> we love children. They're, we're the a day out better. is getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's American. Oh. It wouldn't be a discussion of Nightfall without talking about the music. The, the music. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one particular bit of music. Overall, it's not that bad, but it's the segue from the scene with the cops. Yes. Into the it's scene. It's so intense. It's intense, and it is totally Star Trek 
fighting music. It is <laughs> like that is like you could see the giant lizard man with a paper mache boulder <laughs> threatening Captain Kirk. It's a gorn. We just talked about. I know it's a gorn. I didn't want to out myself, but yes, a gorn. I have a gorn next to my bed, thanks to Tim, who gave me one for Christmas. Or was that from you? That was from Tim. Oh, okay. I have a gorn. A bed gorn. <laughs> it's like a bed gorn pillow. He just cuddles up with it. <laughs> so judgy. But the, the music, we were just, we just listened to Vanishing Point. Vanishing Point, and we're talking about how that Canadian production really understands music and how important it is to convey not only mood, but you can convey so many layers of things that are going on and listen to that episode to hear that discussion mm-hmm. of music. And we brought up Nightfall. It reminds me of when I was in radio back in the day and we used to do productions. You had to do your commercials before you left for the day. So you'd read the copy and you'd throw any piece of music you could because you had production CDs that 30 seconds of anything under it so she could go home and it never matched anything. It'd be like calliope music for, you know, Bill's pretty good crematorium. Crematorium, right? Pretty good crematorium. We didn't care. They're mostly burned. Mostly. We just didn't care. And and Nightfall's got a feel of that, like, music is nothing but a bridge to cleanse your palate for the next scene instead of understanding... That you can tell a story with the music in this episode of Vanishing Point we just listened to was just vaguely in my head that Nightfall's music choices were all my cousin's got a band. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's and funny though, because I have Shazammed, I always Shazam library and production music on the more modern stuff. Just because it's curious I'm curious just to see what it is. And it's it's funny how much uh stuff I just have in my library now of <laughs> just stuff that showed up from Nightfall primarily. Even if I don't like it, it's just this is weird and interesting. I want to find out who it is, but <laughs> So were you able to find the origin of any of this? Not this episode, but I have a few uh I actually think the music that comes in is like very like kind of clarinet heavy. I don't know if you remember. It's very weird and kind of yeah. like it's kind of spooky. And that's the thing that sticks in my head as eight year old going to bed, listening to this, that spooky music of just like it's super intense. And then going into a child's been murdered kind of thing has stuck in my head. And every now and then I'll listen to this again and I try to shazam it again or try and find on some sort of thread, you know, who did this? Because I just want to know where that music came from. So speaking of the music, I realized the sound at the beginning was something that we own in one of our sound effects. It's called a oh, Zoom wow. tube that they made in the 80s, and you can hear it in the Nightfall opening. Nightfall. Oh, Nightfall. Yeah. Nightfall. Nightfall. Isn't that cool? We, it is. Uh, you cannot get a zoom tube anymore. In Super fact, dangerous. It's like jarts. They're razor sharp. <laughs> you, we go on the internet, you can find one now and then, but they're expensive and they don't make them anymore. And I'm you, pretty sure I remember them. I think a, f- a yeah. friend of mine had one. So that's my uh, Nightfall YouTube or not YouTube, ZoomTube. <laughs> YouTube's another thing. Yeah. Uh, don't go to ZoomTube.com. Why? What happens? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. It's just that. It's tubes on trampolines, so it's not worth it. By the time this airs, there will be a zoomtube.com, <laughs> and it will be me just playing that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look that up, see if that's available. Do you have any uh, final thoughts about this you want to get out before we send it to not the Not really. Vote? No, not really. So, Eric. All right. I'll start the voting. Judging it on its own merits of it wasn't intended to be a twist ending. It was intended to be straight horror. 
the calls coming from inside your house. You know, that's the point of this. And when you look at it that way, I think it's really well done. I think it's terrifying and scary and puts you on the edge of your seat. I wouldn't call it a classic. It's this. And this sounds more uh, derogatory than it's intended. It's good. (laughs) <laughs> that's you know that good. actually adverb that it's actually good right <laughs> what do you mean actually good <laughs> yeah uh i really like i would not call it a classic uh i'm on on board with the criticisms of it but i think it not only stands the test of time i think it's a bit ahead of its time yeah uh mm-hmm. in the way it deals with cluing into threats to women to be very specific about it yeah and the Danger and frustration of a of a husband of a male figure who just cannot clue into it. The finale is a mixed blessing in that it sort of begins like and but da da da. It was a tape recording. Everyone knew that. <laughs> um, but then concludes with that telephone call that is, as we said, like that's gorgeous and creepy and awful. So difficult. Very very good. This is just. Way more entertaining and funny than it has any right to be, uh, g- just given all the issues it's grappling with. And I think it is a, a dark and knowing, winking at the audience script in places. And I think that plays to its strengths, particularly in the case of Jeff. Um, but sometimes it's a little rickety here and there, like the info dump um, once he actually picks up Kitty and things like that. But yeah, I agree with my co-host here. It definitely stands the test of time. And I think I wouldn't call it a classic, but if we could rewrite the rules a little bit and award classic to an individual scene within a single radio show, <laughs> uh, that yeah. final, the, the, just yeah. the way it was written, the way it's performed, the way it's edited and assembled is a real high point in audio horror and i can't believe that you are as well adjusted as you seem considering you listen to this at eight years old so kudos to your parents uh. yeah <laughs> to, to piggyback on what you just said joshua i think the woman that played kitty stole the show mm-hmm. i thought she was absolutely perfection in uh audio theatrical performance well the, i, I think the great. two women i think mm-hmm. really anchor the performances and these, these naturalistic style and then the right. the two guys are really over the top, both Carl and right. Jeff. Yeah, Michael. And I think, yeah, I I mean, I agree. I don't think this is a classic. And honestly, this is one of those that's like when you have like a favorite movie or a favorite album or whatever. It's just like, listen, this is not the best thing ever, but I think you would appreciate it. Give it a listen. That's right. why I wanted you guys to hear it. And it is that thing of like, I I love it, and I have you know a connection to it. But I think it stands the test of time. I don't think it's a classic. I think it's very flawed. But there's so many elements in it, even beyond my nostalgic connection, that I think still work today. Uh, no. I was letting my wife listen to it, and and it, other people I've shared it with, they they're interested, you know. And they, everybody thinks the ending's great. Everybody thinks things work, and it's just one of those that it's one of my favorites to share with people. So, and it's a great choice for a discussion format like this yeah. podcast. And you can always tell when it's a great choice. It's because we move into the voting and then we keep bringing up new <laughs> new yeah, topics yeah. and spin back into the discussion. That's always a good sign. So thank you so much for bringing that. Yeah, man. Thank you so, so much. Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us for this podcast. I don't often say thank you, but I should say it's more often. It's about time. <laughs> thank you, you listeners. Bastard. You ever going to thank me? <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Didn't sound heartfelt. Thank you, Joshua. 
<laughs> Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You'll find other, other all of our other episodes there, at least the free ones. Um, you can uh, comment on episodes. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think of them. You can send us messages. You can uh, shop at our Threadless store. And you can become a Patreon supporter like Michael. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and be like Michael. Uh, there are all sorts of great benefits to supporting this podcast. One thing is we just keep doing it. <laughs> that's, that's a benefit <laughs> to you if you enjoy listening to it. Uh, but also there are bonus podcasts. There are Zoom happy hours, which we're just about 10 minutes away from. We're going to just roll straight from this recording into happy hour. Just crazy and sober but uh, <laughs> it's still gonna be fun um and also you could contribute to our donation get josh a new computer fund if you'd rather not become a monthly uh patron and uh that benefit would be mainly for us uh because we need a new computer our computer's really old our uh, trs80 is not working correctly <laughs> We we lost Michael once in this call. It was probably his computer's fault, but I'd like to blame it on ours just to yeah. make people feel more sympathetic. Yeah. So go to ghoulishdelights.com and uh, click donate. And if you, if you own a computer store, no one's going to miss it. <laughs> it has to be a Mac, though, because I only know how to use GarageBand. Right. And I'm not learning new things. I'm an old dog. Hey, if you'd like to see us performing live, you can see the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company performing adaptations and uh, of classic radio drama and a lot of our own original work live on stage as we do audio theater for the masses. Um, you can see where we're performing. We perform somewhere monthly, sometimes even more than once a month, but we're somewhere every month doing something. Find out what we're performing, where we're performing. Uh, by going to ghoulishdelights.com. There you'll see what is going on and how to buy tickets. Now, if you can't buy a ticket because uh, you're not going to be in the area. Uh, although, as I brought up last time, we have a lot of listeners that have been showing up uh, at our shows. And thank it's you. Really all nice. It's really nice. It's really nice. But you, being a Patreon like Michael, Michael gets a link to our shows free. He gets to watch the video of our stage production. So you could become a Patreon, too. Or become a Patreon and go to the show. <laughs> There's so many options. You can support us in so many diverse and annoying ways. And I didn't say – I need to say this more. Right now – what is this? Uh, March of 2023? Just in case it's the internet. You don't know what. But right now where we're performing, every place we're performing right now has really good food. Mm -hmm. Amazing food. So get a ticket and have dinner at these places. It's really – and that's not just nonsense. It's – Intensely good food. <laughs> and have some drinks. The show will yes. be much better. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what's coming up next? Uh, next, we have a listener request from a patron, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be listening to The Black Tie Affair from Bold Venture. Nice! Until then... Look out! In the dream. You are falling, lost in the listening distance, as dark locks in. <laughs> Nightfall. <laughs>